0: Hi, I'm Courtney, your host of Food, Wine, and Good Old Times. I'm a public historian on a mission to make history education fun and engaging for everyone. In this podcast, we'll dive into a wide variety of history topics that will spark your love of history and share a delicious food or drink pairing with each podcast along the way. So let's raise a glass to making history fun again. Cheers! Hey everyone, it has been a little bit since I've been on here, but welcome back to Food, Wine, and Good Old Times, a podcast where I talk about some of my favorite history topics and, of course, tie in some fun facts, um, some recipes, some drinks, a pairing with it. And like I said, it's been a while. I totally underestimated how challenging two under two is, but I finally feel like my head's above water and I am ready to create more podcast episodes for everyone here. When I was thinking about what I wanted to come back and talk about, there were so many different options, but one of my favorite things to talk about is obviously food, but specifically cookbooks. I can easily start up a conversation with anybody about a cookbook because it's something I just love reading. I can't help it, but when I walk into a bookstore or walk into the library, I am immediately drawn to cookbooks. I like seeing the pictures. I like seeing the recipes. There's so much fun that can happen with them. So today I'm gonna talk a little bit about the history of cookbooks, but also talk a little bit about some of the women who really made an impact in the history of cookbooks and how they are read and used today. So of course, before I get started, I have to talk about cookbook history in general, because as you know, if you've listened to my podcast before, I really like to start with a broad history and get a little more specific as we go. But for cookbooks, the first cookbook was known as the Yale Culinary Tablet, which dates back to 1700 BCE, uh, which is really cool to see that recipes were being recorded and shared with others all the way back then. I mean, you know that food has obviously been made forever, but recipes I think sometimes we think are a newer thing when really they've been around forever. And the first recorded cookbook that's still in print is called Of Culinary Matters. And that was written by Epicus um, in the fourth century AD. So we see that this really old cookbook is still available for purchase today. With this cookbook, it was originally published in Latin, but now it's available in many different languages since it is so iconic. And we don't see the first cookbook written by a female or a known female until centuries later, but it's safe to say that cookbooks during this time, there were some that were um, published as anonymous for the author. And there is a really good possibility that a woman wrote this cookbook under this kind of title so that way it wasn't known that she had written it. We see the first cookbook published by a female author in 1664 and that was published by Hannah Woolley and she published her cookbook which was called The Cook's Guide and this was basically a compilation of a lot of different recipes on how to maintain a kitchen in a home. She was also a home physician for her time, and she originally wrote on remedies and beauty routines as well, so she was truly a well-rounded homemaker for her time. Her most successful cookbook was Queen Lake Closet or Rich Cabinet, and that was published in 1670. So we see that, yes, she did create the first cookbook published by a female, but her most successful book wasn't published for several years later. And I'll be sure to post a picture of the cover of this book to my Instagram and Facebook pages because the artwork that's featured on it is really unique in showing the traditional cooking methods that would have been used during this time. They're cooking over a fire. They're using um, you know, more of like the wood-fired ovens. They've got cauldrons hanging over. They're using um, what are those things called? The little turny things. I can't think of it for some reason. Um, They're using those kind of traditional cooking methods. So it's fun to see how those cooking methods have changed and developed over time. So I'll be sure to post that. But moving on to another influential woman in cookbook history is orphan Amelia Simmons. Um, She is influential because she published the first cookbook in America and it was called American Cookery, which was published in 1796. She was noted as an orphan with her publication, but nothing's really known about her besides her cookbook. So there is a little speculation if she actually did write this or not, Um, But either way, she's still credited as publishing the first cookbook in America. And the recipes feature true, what we're gonna call American foods, such as cranberry sauce, custard style, pumpkin pie, and Johnny cakes. We're seeing that ingredients that are found here in North America are being used, which was cool to see because typically before, we're seeing a lot of recipes that feature things that you can obtain in Europe and usually of higher class or whatever it may be. So having this type of cookbook provided a new perspective on cooking. And throughout the cookbook as well, Amelia talks about her hardships of living in colonial America. And other women living in colonial America really identified with this and felt a lot of similar feelings about the hardships of living in this area. I mean, could you imagine just picking up and moving to a new country, not knowing anything about it and saying, yep, we're going to do this. Um, So this cookbook spoke a lot to the hardships as well, as well as providing recipes for how to use these new foods that were being introduced to the people who lived here at the time. There really isn't a ton of information about Amelia. So we're going to move on to our next um, female who was really influential in cookbook history. And that is Bu Wei Yang Kao. And before we move on, um, I do want to take a note about her name order. So Bu Wei Yang Kao is actually the American version of how she would order her name. Um, Typically, how her name would be ordered in Chinese would be Kao Yang Bu Wei, Um, So we see that her name was updated for more of an English reading population. So that's one thing I wanted to note before I continue, because in case you look her up, you might see it the other way. Um, So that's why you might see those differences. But either way, Wu Wei was really quite an amazing woman. And she was originally the first female medical doctor in China, which is quite the accomplishment if you think of that. I mean, she ha- is obviously extremely smart and has this great knowledge, um, but her and her husband eventually moved to California um, because he was her husband, Yen Ren Kao, He was um, a translator for um, different publishings within the United States. He's translated some major works into Chinese, so um, they moved over here to the united states and while they were here she started establishing recipes that were traditional chinese food or even like the american chinese food that we eat today so she would write out the recipes and then her husband would translate them into english and eventually she released her cookbook how to cook and eat in chinese And that was published in 1945, and it was truly the first of its kind. This was the first time in the United States that we see a Chinese cookbook. And from here, that really provides a lot of more diversity in the foods that were being offered. Within the book, the cookbook coined terms that really didn't have a name, such as stir fry and pot stickers. Those really weren't a term that was used in Chinese cooking, but her husband liked to come up with all these quirky words and he helped coin those terms for the English speakers that were gonna be reading this cookbook. I do want to note as well that Bu Wei Yang Kao did publish the first Chinese cookbook in America, but we don't see the first Asian American cookbook until 1962, which was published by Joyce Chen and she published Joyce Chen's cookbook, which talked a lot about different Asian foods that we could typically see in recipes made here in the United States. So it took a little while for something more broad to be published, but Cao really does stand apart for publishing the first Chinese cookbook here in the United States. And now we're gonna move on to my personal favorite, that I've learned about throughout this process is Lena Richard. I first learned about her through Chef Tony Tipton Martin on her Instagram page during the month of February. I believe it was two years ago. She started um, featuring different African-American cooks um, historically that were significant and Lena was one of them and her post caught my eye and I really dove in deep to learn more about her. And let me tell you, she is just amazing. I can't wait to keep telling you more about her here. But she began her culinary career at the age of 14. What happened was her mother was working for a family and she went in and was like, I'm going to go in the kitchen. And she started cooking and the family realized, wow, she's really talented. And she was hired to start cooking at that age. And her career only continued to grow. She went to culinary school, but she actually was a lot better than most of the people there, and she was teaching them different skills that they should know. She came home, and she was truly a businesswoman. She owned multiple restaurants. She ran a culinary school. She even had a frozen meal business. I mean, Lena was not messing around when it came to making a name for herself and in the culinary world. And she self published her first cookbook, Lena Richards Cookbook, in 1939. And this cookbook was so good that it was starting to catch the attention of food writers and critics across the country. And soon Lena was really gaining a lot of popularity. She then went on in 1949, she was offered her own cooking show. And this was extremely significant because she was the first African-American woman to have her own cooking show. And there's a few things to note about Lena and being offered her show. First of all, she, like I said, it was the first African-American woman to have her own culinary show, which is extremely significant because She was not only a black woman in the United States, but she was a black woman living in an extremely racist South where Jim Crow era laws were still in full force. And it was so significant that she was able to have this opportunity and to really go against what was the normal for that time. So she's making history not only for herself, but showing other people of color that this was a possibility. I also like to note that when Lena got her show offer in 1949, this was 13 years before Julia Child had her cooking show. So Lena was truly setting the way for what culinary television was going to look like. And her show was extremely popular, um, but unfortunately she suddenly passed away two years after she was given her show opportunity. So we didn't get to see the full extent and impact that Lena could have made in history. But we can see from her time in the field and through her life that she really set an example for people of color that there is a place for everyone in a kitchen and that there is that opportunity to rise above the segregation and the rules and limitations put on people of color during this time that anything's really possible. I think she's a great example of how to overcome challenges and Lena is obviously one of my favorites, so if you want to look anybody up, um, I highly recommend looking her up. She does have another cookbook, it's called the New Orleans Cookbook, where she talks about some traditional recipes and whatnot, so she's really great to read about, and I hope you liked learning about her as much as I have, because clearly, I can't stop talking about her. But, I will start talking about someone else now, and I mentioned her briefly when I was talking about Lena. But I can't continue this podcast without mentioning the ever-famous Julia Child. Uh, She is so iconic that I felt like it was necessary to bring her in for this. And she didn't start learning to cook until she was an adult. Her husband was the U.S. diplomat located in France. And while they were living there, Julia got really bored. She was like, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. So she started taking cooking classes and really took to it. She highly enjoyed French cooking and through that process, that's how she met Simone Beck and Lisouette Bertol. And they were in the process of writing a cookbook, and they needed an American to provide perspective on the recipes in the format because the aspect of the cookbook was teaching Americans and other people how to cook French food and using traditional French cooking methods. And this cookbook was called Mastering the Art of French Cooking. The cookbook was released. It was kind of popular. um, But what really set Julia on the track for success was when she came back from France, she did make a brief television appearance. But whenever she was asked to be on the show, she did not want to just sit there and talk. She said, I need to be interactive. And in true Julia, big, bold personality fashion, She got a hot plate and a skillet and some eggs, and she made an omelet while talking on television. And people went wild for this. They were like, this is great. We want more. And because of that, she was offered her own TV show, and it was called The French Chef. And this show continued on for a while. She wrote several other cookbooks, um, but The Mastering the Art of French Cooking didn't become a bestseller until 48 years after its original publishing date. And if you aren't sure why that's the case, it is because there was a film released called Julie and Julia, which made the cookbook super famous. So if you don't know the concept of the movie, a woman named Julie was... home and she wanted to cook through mastering the art of French cooking in a year and there's like over 300 some recipes in this cookbook so it's quite the feat and um, she did do it she blogged about her process as well and that was turned into a film and because of that we see that this cookbook became even more popular so the reason I wanted to include Julia Child in this is that not only did it help make her famous and get her a true cooking show, but we see that it inspired more people in the future and made more films based off of it. She still carries a really big legacy. There is a Food Network show, I don't know if it made it past one season, but it involved Julia Child and cooking. I don't really know. Um I've never watched it, so I can't quite say what it's about, but She continues to carry this legacy throughout history. And food continued to play a huge part in her life up until she passed away. I guess right before she passed away, she really just wanted to make French onion soup. So we see that French cooking truly was part of who Julia Child was. And I've got one more that I'm going to talk about with you all today. And this is Edna Lewis. And Edna Lewis was... uh, born and raised on a farm in Virginia. So when she learned how to cook, it was out of necessity. She needed to cook for her family and she really learned how to live off the land, use those homegrown ingredients, home-raised ingredients, and she started her culinary career doing that. She continued to cook. Um, People came to know her within the area. She gained more popularity and eventually she made her way to New York City And she worked at Cafe Nicholson, which was quite the place to be, I suppose. She was the chef there, and people would travel in. A lot of famous people would come in to try Edna's cooking. And in her time there, it was a little fancier, um, more upscale dining. And she did write cookbooks throughout this, but she was starting to gain a name for herself. The cookbook that made her most famous, though, was her cookbook called the taste of country cooking which was released in 1976 and what set this cookbook apart from any other cookbook that she wrote or any that were written up to this point was that she really took this opportunity to focus on storytelling In this cookbook, she wrote a lot of home recipes, recipes she grew up on, really that home-style cooking, but with the recipe, she wrote about the memories that she associated with it, or the stories that went along with this recipe. And this style of cookbook really set the way for how cookbooks are written today. If you notice, if you get a cookbook, a lot of times there's a little story that goes with it. And... Edna, sorry, not Lena, Edna was really the one who set this style into motion. And another thing that really set Edna apart as well is no, she was not the first African American to publish a cookbook, and neither was Lena Richard. But um, one special thing about Edna was that she was the first African American woman to gain international success through her cookbook. Her cookbook was so popular, it was being sold worldwide. So Edna really set a new standard for what cookbooks should be about and how food can really initiate those memories and those feelings of home through this storytelling format, and she was setting, you know, historical landmarks for people in the culinary world, being the first African-American female to gain this international success. And she is just one of many, many women, many, many people who were able to make an impact in the culinary industry and in culinary history, Um, The people I talked about today, this is just a small sampling of what is out there and who has been a mover and shaker within the culinary history and especially cookbook history. And this is such a fun topic for me to talk about because obviously I love food and I like talking about it a lot. And cookbooks are really something that kind of brings me that sense of comfort of I love curling up on the couch and reading cookbooks and looking through them. So I hope you really enjoyed this. If you're looking for some fun cookbooks to read, my personal favorites, um, as I mentioned her earlier, Toni Tipton Martin, uh, she wrote a cookbook, it's called Jubilee, and it is all about African American cooking. And not only does it have great recipes, but it is so historically rich that I highly recommend it to anybody. I truly read this book cover to cover. It is so good, so you should get it. I know it is at the Erie County Public Library if you're looking for it. And then I like anything Half-Baked Harvest because I just think her recipes are super fun, Um, but there's so many out there. And if you have any fun ones, be sure to share them with me because I always love taking new cookbook suggestions. And as always, I like to end my episodes with a pairing, whether that's a recipe or a drink. And today I have a little bit of both for you. So my suggested recipe for you to try are potato puffs. And this recipe is actually from Lena Richards cookbook. So this is something that is really simple. It reminds me a little bit like a French fry. And because of that, I'm going to suggest that you pair this with a brut sparkling wine. Um bubbly's not just for special occasions. It can be drank with a lot of things. That's the nice thing about it. It pairs well with others. Um, so since these are similar, the potato puffs to a french fry, I'm going to say you should pair it with, like I said, a Brute Sparkling Wine because it'll pair nice and well. You'll be surprised, I promise. And if you aren't into drinking but want something similar, I highly recommend um, Frey, or free, it's F-R-E, sparkling wine. It is alcohol-free, and it's really good. I drank it a lot whenever I was pregnant um, with both my boys because I missed wine, and it was a great substitute. So those are my pairing suggestions for this month's episode. As always, I will share the link for this month's recipe on my Instagram page, my Facebook page, and it will also be in the podcast description on the Buzzsprout website, so you can find the recipe there, and I will also provide a link for um, finding the Frey alcohol-free sparkling wine as well. You can buy it in most uh, state stores in Pennsylvania. As for other states, I'm not sure where you would find it, but... Um, I'll provide a link for that as well. Well, that's all I have for you this month on Food, Wine, and Good Old Times. Be sure to tune in next month for our next exciting podcast. You can head to my Facebook or Instagram page, CB Historical Consultant, that's C as in cat, B as in bat, Historical Consultant, for any links to recipes, show notes, and other fun finds discussed today. Until next time, cheers!